The Start On Demand. On demand. It is the long weekend, Thanksgiving long weekend, and we have an incredible story of kindness and generosity from a Manitoba farmer as we head into this long weekend. One day after the Premier took a shot at customer service in Liquor Marts, MBLL has responded with an internal memo to staff. Lorraine's annual warning on what she says is the most dangerous driving season of them all. Deer rutting season. And we talked about the dumb things we do when we're tired, when we're sleepy, when we're barely awake. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, October 9th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, who's ready for a long weekend? Greg Mackling. And this is one we usually don't get off. It's uh, Labor Day weekend. We traditionally have been working, and we also typically work on Thanksgiving Monday. Well, this week we're off, and this feels really good to make it to the end of the week. There's a one email, Loren, that we get every single week from one of our colleagues, and it talks about who's working on the weekend, and it comes out Thursday afternoon, and it's my favorite email of the week because it reminds me <laughs> that the weekend is upon us. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but, I mean, obviously this the past few months have been challenging, but I just really, really need this weekend more so than perhaps I have in years past and so whether that's just to recharge the batteries or sleep or I don't know what if you are working this weekend thank you thank you because yeah. we we know we've been there like we just said we often have to work the Thanksgiving Monday and and have worked Saturdays and Sundays of course in years past and so anyone who is, is working this weekend and and isn't doing what they want to be doing on any given weekend let alone Thanksgiving thank you but man yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I it's not that there's been a wall that's been hit, but I am thankful for Thanksgiving because I need one best extra day. Yeah, I am thankful for it as well for sure. I was glad to have Labor Day off and uh very happy to have this Monday off. I mean it was different when I was a shift worker or either part-time or just an hourly employee then I would actually I'd be volunteering to work all of the holidays. Uh, I would I would when people were looking to get rid of their shifts on holidays, I'd take them all because I wanted the extra cash or I wanted to, some jobs. I had a time bank, so I was able to bank up those hours. So I wanted them. I'd line up to get them. But now, more than happy to take the day off. I don't know if I've hit the wall, but I'm probably inches away from the wall. Yeah. <laughs> probably, you know, you know when something jumps out in front of you on the road or you catch a stop sign at the last minute and you slam on the brakes. Yep. Yeah. Coming to a very screeching halt towards that wall because uh, it, it's been an absolutely brutal, let's be honest, it's been a brutal few months and every time you turn around, there's a brand new story of the day or story of the week. And I don't care if you work in the business or pay attention to what's going on in the world, it's a never ending avalanche of news stories and things for us to contemplate uh, whether the end of the world is upon us or not. 
I know that's dramatic, but that's just to make no, a point. No, I, I know. I think I think that's fair. And I know we talked about this way back. I don't know. Was it May, guys? We maybe had our first conversation about hitting that wall because it was a couple months into the pandemic and you feel like, when's this going to be over? And then you sort of had that light, you know, the summer, and, and, and metaphorically and literally, right? The light where the cases dropped and we we're all out enjoying the weather and all the rest. And then... Ah, something about the last month. And so I think it's great if, if listeners want to send in what they're thankful for this weekend, let us know because I'd love to hear some nice heartwarming stories. I think we could all use them. And if you've got someone you want to give a shout out to or we're just uh, sitting back and I, I, I'm thankful that my living room is clean right now, quite honestly. That's basic and it looks good down here. I usually come down in the morning and think, what the heck happened down here last night? But, you know, small things. Coming up at 7.45, we're actually thankful to speak with our friend Barrett Miller from Fort White Alive. It's been a while since we've had a chat with our buddy Barrett. What are we talking to him about, Loren? I think I sent the note out to you guys about a week ago saying, remind me, we need to do our annual warning of the most dangerous time of year, as I like (laughs) to call it, the deer rut. They're just all out looking for love or sex in all the wrong places, man. (laughs) And as they run after one another... They run into my car or I run into them. And so when I saw my first deer last week, I was like, oh, no, not this time. We're going to talk about you or we're going to put our warning out about what, what's going on this time of year. Because we've got a couple weeks ahead of us where uh, Lemur might get you down. <laughs> they have okay? been a bit more active uh, and visible. At, like I spend a lot of time, of course, at Kingswood in LaSalle golfing. And mm-hmm. usually when you see them, they're, kind of, they're, they're skittish. They hide out in the bushes or in the trees. But they, they, they obviously don't care anymore. They don't they're care just, now, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was out for a walk Saturday morning out at the lake, Sunday morning out at the lake, and there were a family of three deer, and they kind of looked over their shoulder at me as if to say, hey, good morning, dude, uh, you come <laughs> for a walk too, and we're just kind of walking down the road in simpatico almost, and they turned off to go and find some food, and then they stopped, they looked at me, I had a little staring contest <laughs> with one, but I unearthed uh, an inner office memo, Loren, I think you were allowed to come back to Wheat work two weeks ago are you just staying home in order to pre- preserve the uh body work on your vehicles is that yes. uh, what's going on here are you Actually, just staying I'm, home because it's deer season it's so funny since we moved downtown i my the, one of the number one things i was excited about is like oh thank god i can take 59 again and i don't have to go up saint mary's and face those deer every day <laughs> <laughs> the deer they're it's coming scary, for man. loren how many have you hit or been hit by well, I mean, officially two vehicles have been lost, but I have also hit or had them slide over my hood or had near misses, I don't know, at least half a dozen times in the last two years. Wow. It's something, something's, I feel like they have a, they're talking, communicating to one another. And when they say, you see that blue car with a redhead at the wheel? <laughs> Get her. Down, man. Take her down. In our next segment, we're going to, launch a new series called Give Back. This is from Global Winnipeg and it has to do with the hospitality industry and it's finding a way to give back. But we, oh, and the Couch Potatoes assemble next half hour. We have reviews of The Haunting of Bly Manor out today on Netflix and Jeff's got a review of the new Adam Sandler movie Hubie Halloween. It sounds like it might be dumb but hey, you get what you pay for with Adam Sandler, and sometimes that's all you need, right? Just a nice, lighthearted, silly movie. Have you seen it? 
I have not. Jeff did, though. Jeff did. Okay. I'd be interested to know if it's suitable for kids because I think the uh, horse has left the barn. One of my boys, I think, watched it the other night. Oh. So <laughs> so what does it matter? I just want to know. <laughs> Curiosity. Okay, well, well, he's what, 14? 14, yes. Yeah. You never know with Adam Sandler, right? He, he likes to dance around the line of appropriate humor shall we say okay well we'll gauge uh we'll get jeff's take on that but we want to start this half hour with liquor because it seems the premier's comments on the customer service experience in liquor stores are not sitting well with staff over at manitoba liquor and lotteries cjob has obtained a memo that went out to mbll staff last night thanking them for the excellent work they do it's sent on behalf of the executive team and while it doesn't directly mention the comments made by Brian Palster and the push to enhance private liquor sales in this province, it does speak at length about what it says is, quote, world-class customer service found at Manitoba liquor stores. First, here's a reminder of what was said by the Premier. I think customer service is the key to whatever success I found in the small business world, and Government delivery by itself hasn't always been famously associated with customer service. I'll just put it that way. So that answer was in a response to a question by Richard Cloutier on the government's push for more private liquor sales. And hours after we aired it here on CGOB, this memo apparently went out to liquor store staff, again obtained by Global News and CGOB. And in it, the executives thanked staff for all they do to serve the customer. They also talked at length about how uh, they the work that they did to reduce liquor store thefts. And then the memo also said this, quote, As a Crown Corporation, we are a highly visible target for criticism. People often think they know and could do better than us. What isn't acknowledged in those moments is the way we contribute to the communities, how we work tirelessly to support and elevate our hundreds of private business partners, or how much funding is dedicated to treatment and outreach programs for those experiencing harm from our products. And so it's a page and a bit letter, Greg, but while it doesn't mention the Premier, I would suggest that it's saying the idea that we're a target for criticism and people think they know they could that they could do better is saying hang on look at all the things we're already doing here for sure and uh the comments of some of our listeners might have also affected the idea that it was appropriate for this memo to go out because we know that we have a, a wide range of listeners and uh, people who work at the liquor marts I, we know are on that list of people who listen to this radio station and yeah Brett, plain and simply, there are lots of people who don't like the idea or bothered by the idea that people make what they make at liquor marts and they do not hide it. And interesting, just contrast the results on the question of the day at cjob.com, which, by the way, is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243, because at cjob.com, uh, where the question was, would you like to see liquor sold privately in Manitoba? 53% said no, find the way it is. 25% say yes completely, and then 22% say a combination of the two. But then opposite result on Twitter, where we had, hang on a second, I got too many apps open here, where we got 54% who say yes completely, and uh, 24% said it's fine the way it is. Uh, and you can cast your vote, as always, on the question of the day at cjob.com. But as far as this goes, we know this conversation isn't over. We know there are Manitobans who believe the government really 
really shouldn't be in the liquor business. Yesterday, Hal Anderson spoke with University of Regina economics professor Jason Childs, who has studied private liquor sales in other provinces. Here's his thoughts on why it could work. Well, you have to think about what government is good at. Is is government particularly good at retail? And the answer is, in my opinion, no. So let's have government focus on what it's good at and and not do things it's not good at. And it's also a little bit awkward in uh, a hybrid system like you have in Manitoba with the off-sale side of things to have somebody acting both as a player in the game and a referee at the same time. And that can lead to some, some unusual outcomes. It's one thing to say government isn't necessarily good in retail. It's another to suggest that these government employees wouldn't be good at customer service. Those are two different conversations, potentially. But like you said, Brett, man, this is going to go on for quite some time until we hear what the plan is or isn't going to be for our liquor sales. This has to do with a tweet that Greg saw yesterday. It is a picture of someone's lunch, like a plate covered in food that they've put back into the cupboard on top of the rest of the clean dishes. And this person writes, I found my lunch. I put it in the cupboard with clean dishes. Clearly, I need a nap. So that leads to two questions. One, what are the dumb things that you've done while you've been sleepy or just tired? And two, where are the stupid places that you find things that or the stupid places that you've put things? I'll, I can start us off here. I used to work in uh, a number of call centers uh, I guess close to 20 years ago. One of them, you remember a couple, you might not know, remember this, but there was a company called Faniel. Sure. They had, it was uh, a big deal when they came here. Yeah, they so their building was at Broadway and Carlton. And uh, they, they, like, they, they provided services for many clients, and one of them was Firestone. So I worked for Firestone Consumer Affairs, and I would take phone calls. From, like the tire people? Yeah. Okay. And they had, they had garages all over the states, and I would take calls from customers uh, who were unhappy with the service they received at whatever garage for whatever reason. Uh, so one day I woke up, I don't know, uh, the six, I, the, the, my phone rang for some reason early, and I was sleeping, and I answered my phone, Firestone Consumer Affairs, Brett speaking, <laughs> and the person on the other line was just mystified, like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And, and I just, I was frozen because I was so, I, my brain had not started functioning yet, so I just was kind of like, um... Uh, where am I? <laughs> so there we go. You had to be at work because you were always at work. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So let's go around the horn here. We got Jeff Forte, Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore. Uh, Kelly, why don't we start with you? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, working this shift, I'm tired all the time. So every stupid thing I do, can I blame it on that? Yes. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. I think I've told this story before, but and Brett, I know you've had this happen to you as well, but. Uh, back very, very long ago, um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I used to do uh, DJs, uh, DJing for weddings and dances and that sort of thing. So uh, it would be, you know, work the uh, the mobile unit. And back then, it, you know, you had to, a lot of unpacking with the big speakers and turntables and stuff like that. Anyway, uh, Coles Notes version, you wouldn't get home till about three o'clock. You'd get about two hours of sleep and it was back to work again. And I remember one New Year's Eve, they passed the hat. So I literally went from DJing a New Year's Eve dance right to my shift at work and smack dab in the middle of the seven o'clock news here i'm reading the news and the world is just uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
asleep reading the news? Right, right in the middle of the newscast. Oh, wow. Oh, good for you. <laughs> no, no, not good for me. That is a solid move, Kelly. Do you have it on tape? Uh, Brett. This was back in the seventies, man. Well, I, I don't know, some sort of a reel to reel or something. Well, it pro- I, I'm not keeping that evidence. <laughs> no way. Uh, Jeff Braun, what about you, buddy? Uh, back when I was a teenager, I would occasionally uh, have a little sleepwalking episode. And one night, I guess it was it was a sleepwalking thing, sort of. I got up to go to the bathroom. And when I came back to my bedroom, my blanket was gone. And I started freaking out. I was making all sorts of noise. My dad heard it. He got up. He's like, what's wrong? I said, Dad, I hate to tell you this, but there is somebody in the house. And he's like, what? And I said, somebody <laughs> stole my blanket. And he said, and he's like, what? And he was, he was just, he couldn't believe what he was listening to. And I couldn't believe he wasn't more upset about the fact there was some a bandit in our house stealing our stuff. And he finally calmed me down and we looked around and we found my blanket in the bathtub. In <laughs> the bathtub? <laughs> yeah. I guess I brought it with me when I went to the washroom and just left it there. I don't know. So that one I remember. That was, that was, that was a weird one. Fortier? Well, this happened to me a few weeks ago where I'm, I'm just about to fall asleep, just there. And all of a sudden, I hear something. I hear something in my ear, and it scared me so bad. It was a growl. I heard this growl. Well, it turns out that I came up with my own conclusion that it was me. had a little snore, and it freaked me out that I woke up, and I just couldn't get back to sleep. Like, I had to turn on my TV, so I had light in the room. I freaked myself out of my sleep. You snored yourself awake. Yeah. It was Sully. <laughs> he was coming to check on you. <laughs> Monsters, Inc. style. Loren. Uh, so this is triggered by a text we just got from a listener who said, when I was pregnant, I was so forgetful and tired, I would often find my purse in the refrigerator along with the groceries I had just put away. So when I've been pregnant... Uh, breastfeeding I found myself just so exhausted and one of my most embarrassing things was I used to have this gray Honda Civic I was out shopping um, I put approached my car put all the stuff into the back seat thought the back seat seemed messier than usual I was saying to myself I got to clean up the car when I get home get in keys not going into the ignition can't get the car to start key won't go into the ignition I'm thinking who's been smoking in my car it stinks like cigarettes in here look around and I'm like this is not my car I am in the wrong car, and it took me easily two minutes to figure it out. It looked exactly the same on the outside, but it was a smoker's car. It was a messy car, and even with all that and the key not going in, I took far too long to figure it out. Easily two minutes. Wow. Two minutes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I've seen that happen. Mackling, what about you? Uh, I guess it, uh, the worst one is, uh, when the boys came home and the twins came home, they had to be fed every three hours. So two babies to feed every three hours would take them easily 40 minutes to eat. And then you try and get them down. And then before you know it, what's the number one rule when it comes to babies, never wake them up when you're sleeping. Well, when you got to feed them. You have to wake them up. Well, our sleeping schedules were a disaster, and I was feeding Brendan one afternoon, and I fell asleep, and Brendan ended up on the living room floor to a giant thud. That woke me up. 
I carried the guilt that. about that. Oh, no, I carried the guilt with that uh, uh, with me for years and years. And then about two and a half years ago, Jackie admitted she had done exactly the same thing, <laughs> but she confessed she didn't remember which one she dropped. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually win that one. McGarry and McNabb, we have a PSA, an important public service announcement. We need to talk about the most dangerous driving season of the year, according to Loren McNabb. Yeah, a week ago, I sent you guys a note and said, remind me, we need to talk about the worst driving season in Manitoba. Horny deers trying to find action all day for many days. That's how I phrased it in my text, and now I've just decided to say that out loud. So the deers, they're hungry this time of year, but they're not necessarily looking for food. And if you haven't already seen more deer out, you will soon because we are just about to enter what's known as the rut. So for more on what that is and what to watch for, we're joined by Barrett Miller. He's a wildlife interpreter at Fort White Alive. Good morning, Barrett. Good morning. Thanks for taking the time. And guys, I should let you know that yesterday I was trying to get a hold of Barrett and he apologized to me that he was delayed in getting back to me because he was out in the bison paddock. And I said, if I had a dollar for every time someone had the bison excuse. Uh, so- <laughs> you probably have one loony, right, Loren? <laughs> we have to, for- don't forget there are bi- there's a bison enclosure in Minnedosa. So that excuse might be more common in Loren's life than you might imagine. Barrett. I laughed though. Fair enough. I- I loved it. I thought that was great. You were out with the bison, but we're going to talk about deer today. So let's just basically, Barrett, what's the rut? The rut is the deer mating season, and sometimes I guess the lead up to it could be described as the rut as well. Uh, This time of year through, starting this time of year through to mid-December is when breeding season happens for the white-tailed deer in Manitoba. So what that looks like is uh, the male deer, the buck, will start defending a territory at any of the females in that territory with the intent to mate, uh, make sure that there's a crop of little fawns coming in the springtime. So fall is their season for doing that. So Barrett, uh, we can be besieged with ruts of a different sort on the highways <laughs> at, at, at this time of the year. We certainly did last year snow ruts, but I'm more interested in terms of the age of uh, the of the animals involved. At what age do they do they start procreating? Um, it would be at about about two years old for both the males and the females. Um, now. The males will be chased sort of away from where they grew up. Uh, the whole Bambi's dad getting along with Bambi, that is pure fiction from the movies. Uh, so anyway, the males are looking for territory that's not occupied by a bigger male. And that's part of what we're seeing now. That as um, we get towards the rut, all summer long, the males have been growing their antlers. They'll be scraping them on trees to mark the edges of their territory get those antlers hard and ready. They'll be scent marking and letting everybody know how big and strong they are. So sort of trying to lay exclusive claim or as exclusive as they can to a chunk of the forest and anybody who might be around. Um, The females, they're sort of, well, they're focused on either raising last year's fawns or sort of just getting ready for winter right now. But that's going to change in a couple weeks. 
Are there any specific point or parts of Winnipeg in particular, uh, and we can talk about outside of Winnipeg too, but within the city limits where we should watch out for uh, more active deer? Good question. Um, and certainly as we get further into the rut, what ends up happening is the males end up interested in the females a little bit before the females are really interested in the males. Um, so anywhere that there is forest adjacent to the highway or adjacent to the road, especially if it's forest with little open patches, think golf courses, Assiniboine Park, um, a lot of our nice suburban areas would be high deer areas. The reason it's dangerous this time of year Rush hour coincides with when the deer are most active, and those males, as we get through October, will only have one thing on the mind. If they get on the trail of a female, they won't look both ways before crossing traffic. And if that female is not quite in the mood for his attentions yet, she will run to get away from him. So you'll have females jumping across the road because there's a buck following, and then that buck come out of the forest, head down, sniffing the ground, not looking both ways. So anytime that you're in, if you can see more than 20 trees, um, I would say that it's probably a good time to slow down and take a look for the whitetail neighbors that might be crossing the road. So we're just entering this now, right, Barrett? We're not fully in it yet. This is sort of our warning to listeners about where you're going and what to watch for, because as you mentioned, it starts with the deer roaming and looking for different territory. They're looking for action first. The females doesn't want it yet, so they're on the run. And then we get to that peak season. Well, and that, that's true. Right now, we're really in the warning phase. Right now, we're really sort of the opening moves. Um, I would say that right now, it's really like the buying them a drink or something them. like that. Well, this this is even before that. This is sort of the where the male deer are out in the parking lot, sort of establishing the order, sort of you know pushing each other around to show who's biggest already, um, sort of deciding what area they're going to hang out in. <laughs> then a little bit later, say by mid October, like mid to late October, right around the twentieth to Halloween through Remembrance Day, that's when we see the dance. <laughs> And the dance looks an awful lot like, yeah, the female deer being pursued and the male deer pursuing, but not a lot of actual mating action. That week after Remembrance Day to about December 15th, that's sort of the end of the night, if you will. Um, there's going to be some happy couples. There's going to be some less happy couples, but still some fawns in the spring. That's sort of the way that this all plays out. Uh, uh, Traffic-wise, yeah. October 20th to November 20th are, are, is sort of our most dangerous window for us and the deer. What happens if uh, these bucks uh, don't luck out? Uh, do, they, do they get in fights with one another? The, well, the tree scraping, the scent marking, uh, that's all to try to prevent the fights. Those wonderful sort of National Geographic antler wrestling yeah. style fights that you see on TV happen in nature. Although, you got to think, eyes are soft antlers are hard it's all fun and games until somebody loses an eye uh so the bucks will try to avoid that there's a lot of posturing a lot of jockeying and then if that doesn't actually settle things then yeah then the clack antlers then they lock antlers and then a fight happens um in my experience it's probably only about one time out of 10 encounters between two bucks because they need to be about the same size both think they have a legitimate shot at winning and both have the energy to fight. Now, fighting can be a losing strategy because if you tucker yourself out fighting, 
even if you want the territory, but then you need to go lay down for a rest and some third buck comes trotting in. It's sort of like, well, who's going to get the lady in the end? Not the guy who's sleeping off a fight. Wow. You could, you could learn a lot from these deer. <laughs> I, yep. Um, and you know, one thing that we can't learn from deer is parenting because in the spring, they just leave their little fawns camouflaged in the forest. <laughs> well, I don't feel so bad for hitting all these deers now. I got to be honest. Does that sound mean of me? Well, it might be a little bit dangerous and hard on the car. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on the start. And in our next segment, Loren, uh, we've been, you were able to track down. Uh, somebody who is behind something rather special. Yeah, and we're hoping to bring on a southern Manitoba farmer who tweeted out this week about how his daughter had been in an accident and so they had been spending time at HSC for the past couple of weeks, but he had to get the crop off and lo and behold, neighbours and friends stepped out to help finish harvesting, combining 500 acres of soybeans for him. So he was overwhelmed with their generosity, and we want to hear more about it. So we're hoping to chat with him in about 10 minutes' time. And then, Greg, uh, coming up after 9.30, who are we talking to? Talking to Kelly Moore, of course, sports director here at 680 CJOB. Today is free agency day at 11 a.m. Winnipeg time. All restricted free agents in the National Hockey League become available to the highest bidder. All sorts of interesting scenarios starting to form up, including what Kelly has been telling you this morning, the anticipation of Paul Stastny's return to the Winnipeg Jets via trade. So keep it locked here on the home of the Jets on Radio 680 CJOB. This week we have been giving away $100 gift cards for Enigma Escapes, and we're going to give another one away at the end of this segment, so be ready for your cue to call. We'll be looking for caller number six. Greg, have you ever been to an escape room? I confess I have not been to an escape room. My boys have been several times and they absolutely love them. They're a fantastic way to spend uh, an afternoon with a birthday party yeah. or a bunch of your of your friends. They they think uh, they're the the cat's meow. <laughs> Loren, what about you? I no, I have actually haven't either, but I just watched the final season of Shit's Creek which showed up on Netflix last week and they had this hilarious episode where the family goes to an escape room and I instantly started Googling them in the city and, and was looking up Enigma because it was so funny, like the way that it sort of just made them all insane and uh, they had to work together but didn't want to in the beginning. So it looked pretty cool. Yeah. I, Forte, what about you? I have not. Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm afraid that I won't be able to escape. <laughs> then you'll get stuck. Like, yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Well, they do let you out if you can't get out Help. on your own. <laughs> well, I have done a couple of escape rooms, including what happened in Ravenwoods, uh, courtesy of Enigma Escapes. And it is one of their six spooky escape rooms. And uh, I guess our first question for the owner of Enigma Escapes, Laura Hawkins, joins us live on CJOB. Laura, when we did what happened in Ravenwoods, I happened to go with, I think, five colleagues here at CJOB. So naturally, we were all... Uh, just blown away when the the voice that came on at the beginning was the one and only Charles Adler. Oh, and you recognize that, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Is he still, does it still his voice? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Okay. Well, Hey, so thank you very much for joining us this morning. Uh, I guess the first question is, I mean, how have things gone for you at Enigma Escapes over the last few months? Well, Things have been not, you know, not as strong as they were in previous years. But uh, I'm, I'm very happy to uh, say that Winnipeggers are still coming out and finding escape rooms as a safe 
uh, activity to do. I think there's uh, people going pretty stir crazy and escape rooms are one of those things that you can do privately with your family or friends and, uh, and, you know, in a small group and feel very safe doing it. I can't believe three people that you just talked to had not even been to an escape room yet. Well, that gives me hope. Yes. Once we get uh, the rest of the, the town interested in coming that will be will be just fine well i think it's a a prime example of something that's taken off laura and people absolutely love doing this but there are still many many people who have yet to discover the escape room one of the questions people might have in their minds right now in terms of the interactivity that's uh, that's evident based on even the short discussion we've had so far how are you dealing with that in covid and uh what are some of the rules that you have in place in order to keep everyone safe well we used to have 15 minutes between games so that people could uh, reset the room back to its original state after someone played um, pardon me. We've extended that to a half hour, so it gives our staff more time for cleaning. All the surfaces are wiped down uh, after. That means all the locks, anything that's going to be handled, any of the puzzles, all of those kinds of things. Uh, you know, we don't allow more than one group in the lobby at a time. Everyone's wearing masks. Um, they don't come into the lobby until their game is ready, you know, which is, is unfortunate because it, uh, it slows down things, not slows down, it's more... <clears throat> makes it a little more impersonal than it used to be, but overall the gameplay inside the rooms is, is exactly the same and uh, people seem to be enjoying it and feeling safe, and that's the most important thing. So let's talk about that gameplay. You've got six spooky rooms to choose from. I like a good scare. I like scary movies. I like kind of having that jumping reaction. What are we talking about when we say spooky, like a fright-induced heart attack or a little bit lower than that, I'm guessing? <laughs> well, we have three rooms uh, year-round that are that are. I would call it scary spooky. Those are the ones that we have at Grant Park Shopping Center. And then we thought with Halloween coming, we would take three of our regular rooms and spooky them up a little bit. So we've, we've done a few things um, to give you more of a Halloween experience. And uh, there may, I'm not saying there is, but there may be a little more uh, interaction uh, with the game masters, may, in some cases. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've done what we can to create a Halloween experience for for people in now six of our rooms. So instead of just the three, we have the full six. And uh, just before we let you go here, Laura, I mean, escape rooms have really taken off over the last decade and still clearly a lot of people yet to discover them. But for those who have have been able to try them out, why do people enjoy them so much? You know, it's a way to put away your phones, uh, get together with family. You do a lot of talking. You know, we talk about it with friends. You can go to a movie, but then everyone sits silently. Uh, facing the movie theater, um, the movie screen, and here you're talking, you're talking. You know, I always say one of the best parts about an escape room is you play for an hour with everyone, but then after you go out for a drink or whatever and you talk about it for another hour, so it's actually, in my opinion, at least a two-hour experience. There's so many things that you have to chat through. Different brains work in different ways, and you, it's very bonding. It honestly is very good for corporate team building. Well, it is a good time. And again, six spooky rooms. Butcher of the Catacombs. What happened in Ravenwoods? Dark Hedges. Blackbeard's Bloody Brig. Tomb of the Dead Red Queen. And Rescue from Haunted Voodoo Island. EnigmaEscapes.com for more information. Laura Hawkins, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And we are cracking the phone lines now at 204-780-6868. Caller number six gets a $100 gift card to try this out. Seriously, it 
It is a blast. You're going to have a ton of fun. And she made a great point there, too. Different brains work in different ways. Uh, we talked about teamwork earlier this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, an escape room is the perfect place where if you have a different cross-section of brains, uh, that's the best, the quickest way out. Because one person will spot something that the rest of them don't see and... It's just funny how it works. The scary stuff. I, I, I like the scary stuff, but I, I admit I was a chicken. I even said, if there's someone hiding in the corner, I can't promise I'm not going to punch you. <laughs> so they didn't come into the room. They showed me the mask they would have worn had they come into the room. So there was that possibility and that would have happened had you not shouted that warning? Maybe. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Gabrielle Marchand. It's a Gab with Gabby Friday visit with Gabrielle from Global News Morning. And uh, you have been on... How long has it been since you've been on the shift now, Gabby? About a year. So safe to say I'm chronically overtired like the rest of you. Okay, so... Zombies. uh, Is it safe to say that you probably have, like us, done dumb stuff because you're sleepy and tired? Yeah, it's problematic when you do a lot of dumb things when you're awake and then they're sort of (laughs) magnified when you're tired. Definitely, I feel you to the people listening when you're looking for your phone and it's actually in your back pocket or in your hand, looking for your sunglasses that are on your head. Been there at least once a day. Uh, Recently, uh, my my partner, he was at work and I told him I was going to make some banana bread and I went into the freezer. I think I was half awake And I took out what I thought were bananas. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I found some frozen bananas in the freezer. So I'm going to make us some banana bread. He's like, what are you? There are no frozen bananas in the freezer. He's like, are you talking about the deer sausage? (laughs) (laughs) So I was I was thawing deer sausage, (laughs) deer bread coming soon to a kitchen near you. No thanks. Well, meaty. Well, sausage or you've got bread, you've got meat. Basically a sandwich. All right, Joey, whatever you say, just (laughs) add the jam and you're good. (laughs) Um, They looked like bananas to me. Uh, Upon closer inspection, I was awake. I realized they were definitely not bananas. Yeah, and actually, Greg, you, we both, well, you told a story that reminded me of a story. So why don't you tell yours first about uh, driving to the wrong spot? Do you recall that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was sharing this with you off air. I'd I'd been doing a, a job. I was a milkman off and on in my younger years and in the summer uh, usually you get laid off but I got laid off a week before I was supposed to the guy came back early for some reason and of course that was going to create all sorts of financial headaches and anyway I was really distracted I lived in Charleswood for two years moved to Portage Avenue about six to eight months previous to this found myself on tuxedo road or whatever it's called on my way to my home in Charleswood that I hadn't lived for six months I was so despondent so distracted drove completely to the wrong house and then that reminded me of when I was about 19 years old I went to pick up my buddy Sean who lived at the time pretty deep in Transcona we had to go to school to our film studies class at the U of M but at the time I worked at Polo Park at a store called Jersey City which was on the second floor they used to have that big blue bomber helmet over the counter Uh, there is a Jersey City store still in Polo it's on the first floor now but uh, so I pick him up and then I realized by the, like, I'm on Higgins, west of Main Street, 
and we got to be in class in like 20 minutes. And then I just finally said, oh, my God, I'm driving to work. What the hell? And, and why did you say something? And he said, I don't know. I just thought you knew where you were going. Like, we're going to the University of Manitoba, That's a man. lot of trust and a lot of lack of geographic knowledge. There. True autopilot. Loren, I, I've heard the story of you coming out of the change room without your pants one time when you were so overtired as a, as a mom. I'd love to hear more tales. Like that's just made its way to you? <laughs> I think you told it on air. <laughs> no, I did. I'm just teasing. That's the only thing I've ever done that was dumb, Gabby. That's it. There's never been any other tired incidents. But yes, I did once share the story of, I think my youngest was a few months old. I had literally just gone to the mall to be a mall walker. Went to the bay to try some clothes on. Left the bay with my sorrels and sweaters on, but no pants. Just pure exhaustion. You and left the bay? I left the change room. Walked right out into St. Vital. I think I got to like the perfume counter almost into the mall area. And I was like, it's cold in here. <laughs> <laughs> now, I had a really long sweater on. Like it's a sweater that could have been a dress, you know? So it wasn't like I was just flapping in my undies. But I had no pants on. Like I forgot to put my pants back on. So... <laughs> That's just pure exhaustion. Yes. Oh, there has to be security footage of that somewhere. That is gold. Hey, Gab, Gabby, did you ever build a fort when you were a kid? I occasionally, I hate to admit this, but I am a 30-year-old child. So every now and then I get pumped on the weekend. One thing I love to do, uh, camping activities in the living room. So, you know, you roast a little s'more with a, a barbecue lighter, maybe, or over a candle. I mean, if you were truly doing it properly, you do it in the oven, maybe. But uh, <laughs> If you're doing it properly, you do it over a fire. But uh, Also that. <laughs> this is glamping to the extreme. And then building forts. I just love the idea as an adult of building a fort. So I'll kind of make myself into a little blanket burrito. And <laughs> so I spend my days. This is 30, everyone. What about you guys? Do you build forts? I mean, you actually have kids Greg, so there's a reason for you to build forts. Yeah, my kids aren't really fort builders. I don't know. I, I've failed as a parent on that front. Oh, gosh. Well, and this started because Loren had herself a little fort building adventure the other day with her boys. Like, at least two times a week we do it. And uh, the key is to get them to clean up afterward. We're still working on that one. But we like to just destroy rooms. They go into every bedroom, pull all the blankets off, and we use as many as possible to create some pretty awesome forts. And, yeah, we had lasagna under the fort. Was that Monday night? It was a pretty good night. That's Fine cute. dining. Yeah. I like that. It's a little wine, little lasagna in the fort. Count me you, in. Were you here? I'd like to like, come over. <laughs> How did she know about the wine? That was weird. <laughs> yeah, and I once, I once uh, built, I, I told them I built a bed fort. Uh, because this girl I was dating at the time made this joke because I only had a TV in my living room, not in the bedroom. And uh, we wanted to watch a movie, but she wanted to lie down. Tough to do it on a couch. And she said, too bad we couldn't set up like a bed fort in here and just watch TV on the bed. And we joked about it and said, ah, whatever. Uh, but as soon as she left, I got to work figuring out if like, it could be done. If, if logistically, it could be done. And I measured out the room and I thought, I think this could work. So I dragged my bed out to test it out. And the next time she came over, I had my box and mattress on the floor. I'd removed the couch so it was like a headboard and uh, we had a little bed for it. I thought you were going to say that you waited till she left, you enjoyed it, and then you tore it down before <laughs> she came back. No bed for it for you. <laughs> that would have been funnier for sure. So, uh, Gabby, What's on the tap for this weekend? Uh, cheesy poofs, I think, is what you went out for last night. So this is the true dumpster fire story of 2020. Uh, last night, I couldn't take, I, I refused to take my sweatpants off. So I wandered to the store masked with this kind of wild hair sticking out all over from my toque in my sweatpants. 
and uh, a sweater that had a lot of toothpaste on it. And I bought myself a box of wine, Lorena, and two bags of chips, and then a giant thing of creamer. I'm like, the people in this line should be judging me. If they're not, they're too kind. That's gourmet. Did you have that all written down, or that's just what ended up in your... I found my inspiration in the store, let me tell you that. Clearly, wow. Gabrielle Marchand is host of Global News Morning, weekdays 6 until 9. Are you guys working Monday? No, we are off Monday, so a very happy Thanksgiving. You guys working Monday? We are not. So happy Thanksgiving for us as well. so nice to hear you say that. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have a large two-topping pizza for Santa Lucia to give away, and we have been asking you at 204-780-6868 to text us stories of the dumb things you do when you're either sleepy or tired or maybe... You know, you just woke up. And we were also saying, you know, if you the weird stuff you may have put, the weird places you may have put stuff. And we only really have time to read the winning text here because Peter uh, took some great lengths to tell us an incredible story. So, Loren, what did Peter have to say? Peter writes, hi, this story goes back over 30 years. My wife and I were newlyweds sharing a bed for the first time. Remember, this was 30 years ago before cohabitating was acceptable. She had this awful habit of rolling over multiple times and invading my side of the bed. Unfortunately, not in a romantic way. One night, I'm over at my parents for supper and mentioned I was not getting a good night's sleep due to her constant rolling. My mom said that is the same thing my father does. The solution, she says, is to get out of bed, let them roll, and then settle down. Then you just take the side of the bed that is vacant. Our bedroom was set up with one side against a wall, with about two feet between the bed and the wall. The other side faced the room with the door on the far side. My side, Peter writes, was designated as the one nearest to the wall. To start the night, keep in mind. So my wife starts the rolling around. I get up, let her roll until she settles down, which she did. And that was on my side of the bed by the wall. So I walk around and get in on the other side. Sometime in the middle of the night, she awakens to go for a biological break, gets out of bed, and proceeds to walk straight into the wall. Not once, not twice, but multiple times. This elicited a stream of obscenities, which woke me up. I turn on the lights to discover that she now had a bloody nose and by the next morning, a black eye. To make matters worse, I could not stop laughing, which just made her even more mad. They say that with time, you start to see the humor in such events. 35 years later, Peter writes, she still gets mad when the story comes up. And as they say, the honeymoon was over. Uh, also, P.S. He writes, I never did that again. And our second house, they put the bed in yeah. the middle no of the room. No kidding. <laughs> I would bet that was right at the top of the wish list. We have, Loren, a very special guest we want to bring on now to share more about an amazing story of kindness and gen- generosity. I think this is a perfect way to end the week and head into Thanksgiving weekend because he, like so many of us, has so much to be thankful for. We first shared his tweet with you yesterday. It came from Manitoba farmer Rob Harms, and he wrote on Wednesday, One week ago, our daughter went for a run. She was hit by a vehicle in HSC with head injuries. Her mother hardly left her all week. Yesterday, friends and neighbors showed up and combined 500 acres of soybeans in four and a half hours. Tomorrow, I get to bring her home. I am overwhelmed. Okay, McNabb, I hear that uh, (laughs) stutter in your voice, and I've got it too. Rob Harms is in Snowflake, Manitoba, and he joins us now. Rob, good morning to you. Good morning to your family. All I can do is start off by saying this. 
thank you for sharing this incredible story. It feels so pure Manitoba to us. Yeah, thank you. It is been quite a ride the last week. I bet it has. We'll, we'll find out how your daughter's doing in just a moment. But for those of us that are not geographically inclined, where is Snowflake? I feel as though I've seen the sign in southern Manitoba, maybe somewhere between Killarney and Morris or something like that. Yeah, Snowflake is a, a, a small place and you got to be coming here. It's not on the way to anywhere. Um, we're about two hours south and west of uh, Winnipeg between Morden and Killarney would be the two bigger centers. Um, maybe some of the listeners are familiar with downhill skiing at Larvere. We're directly south of that. We're there two it miles is. off the U.S. border. That's exactly okay. That's where I've seen that sign. So please tell us what happened to your daughter before we uh, before we bring this story full circle. Okay, so my, my daughter uh, is in grade 12 um, at a private Christian school in Gretna, Manitoba. Um, Wednesday night, she went out for a, a run, which is customary. She usually goes a little bit earlier, but circumstances were that she was a little bit later. Um, the school called, and they couldn't find her, which is every parent's nightmare, I think. Um, consequently, they did find her. She had been hit by a vehicle. Um, the vehicle fled the scene, and the RCMP are looking into that, and there's a lot of people that are very upset about that portion of it, but that's something that is out of my control and I can't do anything about. Um, Took her to Altona Hospital and on to um, HSC in Winnipeg. Um, I know a lot of times as Manitobans we like to complain about our health care, but uh, we got nothing but good things to say about them. Um, she uh, has no broken bones, no stitches, but she does have a severe head injury, brain concussion, etc. So that part is uh, going to be a long time coming, but uh, we managed to bring her home yesterday, so that was pretty exciting. How did it come about that your friends and neighbors decided to step in and help you finish harvest your final 500 acres? Um, so um, we're a faith-based family, and a lot of the guys from church um, kind of said, "You know what? We got to help out." And this is when this is not an uncommon thing in in agriculture. You, there's from the tweets that I received. There's a lot of people that have expressed, "Yeah, we we experienced the same thing." And farmers, back from when the day where they had to do it for survival, still kind of look out for each other. And uh, these guys are looking out for me this week, or our family. So, um, yeah, they just, uh, one of the guys says, yeah, we're going to come and help combine. And um, it kind of blossomed from there to seven combines. And there's there's more more guys from the community that would have helped and all that sort of thing. Um, it's kind of what we do in a small, close-knit community. And, uh, yeah, it was overwhelming. The guys were pretty excited that participated. They were pretty excited to participate. And uh, I'm thankful for that. It's, uh, it's really a load off of my mind to get that done. I can only imagine the picture you posted on Twitter. It's a, it looks like a drone photo, Rob. And the lineup of those combines and, and everybody working together to help you out, I think, is what gets so many people, whether you're from a farm or not, you, you imagine people coming together to say, hey, you're at your lowest moment, we need to pick you up. So when this was going on, you talk about the relief that that took off your shoulders. What was your reaction from you and your wife? Because now you, you had one less thing to worry about on a, on a pretty awful week. Yeah, um, people have been so kind to us, and the support has been overwhelming. Yeah, now I'm going to get emotional about the whole thing again. But, um, yeah, the my wife's phone... Uh, 
especially was just being in constantly of people inquiring and what can we do to help um, people from all over our, our community and outside our community. And uh, I think it, it was, yeah, it's, it was overwhelming. It's humbling. Um, and at the same time, all those guys know and that I would be there for them as well. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's, it sounds weird, but it's kind of what we do. It's such a simple thing to say it's what we do. Um, but I think there's a lot of truth in that simple saying. My mother-in-law uh, grew up on a farm south of McGregor, Manitoba, and she always says, you know, many hands make light work, and there's that philosophy for sure. But when when the tough get tough, the tough get, when times get tough, the tough get going. There's lots of cliches that we could use here for sure, Rob. But when you think about coming together because these farmers they have their own stuff to do as well which makes it just so overwhelming i think from those that have never spent any time on a farm like me there's a lot to do everybody has a lot to do everybody's working against uh the the sun going down so to take time out of what they're doing themselves it just magnifies this for me uh yeah, definitely. It it was um, helpful that a lot of those guys were at the tail end of their harvest, so and that the weather was forecast were was going to be good for the next week or so. So there's a lot going on with everybody, but um, yeah, they were willing to come for for a part day, and uh, it was fantastic. Did you ever anticipate the uh, reaction that you've gotten from sharing this story? Yeah, Twitter went absolutely nuts. Um, I use my Twitter largely for my agriculture and a little bit of hunting and fishing kind of playing. And that it just, the Twitter started going crazy. And I talked with one of my daughters that was home. I said, this is, this is crazy. And it carried on to where I had to turn my notifications off. I could hardly use my phone. Um, this morning, I looked at it, and the Twitter shows me 53,000 likes 3,900 shares and 750 replies from all over the world. It's just, that blows my mind. Wow, that is incredible. I I just think it's that story that we all needed right now, Rob. And having grown up on a farm myself uh, in the Minidosa area, and and I know how special farmers can be, but the farm experience. And this time of year in particular, harvest can be draining, it can be tough. Then you have the fact that your daughter ends up uh, in an accident with a head injury and it comes just ahead of Thanksgiving weekend. And I know for me, suppers in the field and Thanksgiving had a really special meeting on a normal year. What are you thinking about this weekend now, given all you've gone through in the last week? Um, hmm. Yeah, it, it's uh, definitely thankful. Um, we came home yesterday to a Thanksgiving supper that some friends of ours had brought over. And... Uh, we get to sit around the table. Uh, uh, my son is away at, at school and down in Montana, so he wasn't there. But all our family got to sit around the table. And and what's customary for our house at supper time is our youngest starts with, "Hey, Dad, what was the highlight of your day?" And we proceed around the table. And uh, it was pretty good yesterday. Very thankful. 
Everybody on the planet wants to hear from you right now, Rob. We appreciate you taking time, precious time out of your day. Please send our genuine love and regards to your daughter, your entire family, everybody in your neck of the woods. Uh, we tip our hat to you. This is a wonderful story, and uh, thank you for sharing it with us. It, it, it has uh, made our week. Uh, thank you. I, I know the guys that came to help were looking to encourage me, but I think that got quite a bit bigger than that. Manitoba farmer Rob Harbs, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We very much appreciate the time. You bet. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.